When you're building a culture of belonging, every word counts. That's why Textio brings the world's most advanced language insights into your hiring and employer brand content. Our industry-leading approach to artificial intelligence and machine learning provides the tools needed to find more diverse candidates. In short, Textio builds more equitable workspaces, guiding businesses and writing more inclusive job posts. And we're building on that success by bringing even more products to the market for all people who share our belief that language matters. Words have power. And at Textio, we harness that power to increase the access and availability of value-driven work for everyone. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Clarity Podcast, where you'll not only get the insight to help you transition your career, but we'll have raw, unfiltered conversations about equity and access in corporate America. I'm your host, Tristan Layfield of Career Clarity Solutions, formerly Layfield Resume Consulting. Um, and for those who don't know, because the podcast is still pretty new, each week we're going to be dropping about 20-minute episodes discussing the latest career news, trends, tips, and things that, quite frankly, just piss me off. Um, you know, most weeks we'll be joined by a special guest co-host, mainly career coaches, resume writers, HR professionals, and hiring managers. But some weeks you're just gonna just get me raw and unfiltered. Um, I really want this to be a space where you all can get valuable insight to help you access opportunities and transition your careers. But I also want to use this space to call out corporate America on its bullshit and hopefully inspire deeper, more honest conversations about equity or the lack thereof in the workplace. So, I am very excited to bring this guest host on. Um, so, today we have Kendall Page, who is the CEO of Resume Page. She's a resume writer and LinkedIn career coach. She has over nine years of experience in career coaching and resume writing. Um, her background is in recruitment and selection and has given her insight into the importance of a strong resume and using LinkedIn strategies in a career search. She has helped over 500 people all over the U.S. and internationally land a new job through personalized, collaborative coaching sessions that focus on selling strengths. She has worked with clients across all experience levels, from entry level to C-suite executives, and within diverse roles in management, sales, marketing, operations, finance, nonprofit, education, and more. Um, so I want you all to help me in welcoming Kendall to the show. Kendall, my friend, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Tristan. It's great to see you and talk to you again. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm so excited to have you here. Now, I'd like to let people know a little bit about how we know each other before we jump into everything. So uh, Kendall and I met through a mutual friend because Kendall was starting her business. And so we ended up having a little bit of a conversation at that point in time. And Kendall and I have sort of been in contact since. Um, so, you know, we sort of partner on a lot of things, but Kendall, tell the people a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So, um, I am definitely a resume writer. That is kind of the main focus of what I do, um, in my business. I kind of have a little bit of a different approach with people where I collaboratively, uh, write resumes. So I usually have my clients with me on Zoom and we go through the process together and I kind of showed some tips on how to target the resume and kind of just use some strategies so that you're more likely 
likely to get an interview. And so um, I do a lot of that. And then I also help people with their LinkedIn and how to utilize their profile, um, both to optimize it, but also to use it and actually engage on LinkedIn. Um, so those are kind of the main things that I focus on. I also do some interview coaching and uh, cover letters and things like that as needed too. Um, so that's all under resume page in my business. <laughs> Yes, yes. You have a very unique process for resume writers. Um, you know, many resume writers, they'll have some type of call or sort of form that they'll have people fill out and then they go back and they do the work on the back end and send things over to clients. But you work collaboratively with your clients on the call to write their documents. It's sort of like teaching a person to fish, right? Instead exactly. of <laughs> instead of fishing for them, right? <laughs> so yes. I really love that process. I love it. Um, you really are great at what you do. And I love being able to send clients over to you when I can't accommodate them quickly because you're able to get them in. I don't know how you do it. You got to teach me some tricks, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I usually do the, the same day service just because we're writing most of it together during that session. And the clients, like I said, are really involved. So they're giving me um, their background and their experience and I'm helping with the, the writing aspect of it. But also showing them like, hey, here's a way that you could change it up if there was a different type of role you wanted to go for and you wanted to highlight a different type of skill. Um, so it's always really fun because I get to be like, I get a lot of time with my clients, which I really enjoy. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. So, well, what I want to do now is I want to have a little bit of a conversation because we know the last couple of years, Searching for a job has been a very crazy and turbulent process yes. for a lot of people, right? Yes. <laughs> um, the market has been all over the place. So I like to ask all of my guests to fill in the blank of this statement here. The state of the job market right now is blank. What would you say the state of the job market is? I would say it's popping. It's popping. Poppin'. <laughs> yes, it's popping. Poppin'. <laughs> I'm gonna bring the optimistic view today because um, I over just over the past month I've had clients, and I don't know if you've been experiencing this too, but they have been reaching out to me quick, like super quick. I had somebody actually I worked with last week. He has an interview this week, and that is super fast. Like that's quick movement on a resume. Um, I also had someone last month. She, we did a revamp on her resume and LinkedIn and she went through an interview process and got a start date within two weeks of us doing that. And that's super fast. So that's not the norm. Normally it is going to take a little bit longer uh, to go through applying to jobs. Number one is a long process, but getting the interview, going through the interview process. But I really do feel there's been an uptick maybe in the last month or two in um, jobs that are available, people that are getting interviews. And again, seeing that movement, because sometimes it's just it can be so frustrating, long, and tedious when you're applying to jobs and just waiting and waiting, and um, it just seems like it takes forever. But I, I think we're starting to see that. Um, are we going to continue to see that? I don't know. I know in the summer we were seeing some layoffs uh, with some big companies. I know that you saw that too. And um, a lot of people coming through looking for resumes because of that and getting concerned. I have a lot of people coming to me because they're like, I'm concerned. Is there a recession coming? What's going to happen? COVID? Is COVID back? Is it gone? 
We don't know. It's a very confusing time for us right now. Um, so it, it's hard to, to say, but I, I usually see this time of year that there's an uptick. This is when people are getting back from the summer vacation and they're getting, they're starting to do their hiring. And then I think we see it slow down usually like beginning of November, mid-November when holiday time comes on and things get a little bit slower. But yeah, my word would be popping because I, I, that's what I've been seeing. And I, I hope that that's what we're going to continue to see for people. I don't know. How do, what do you think, Tristan? How are you feeling about that from your side? <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm seeing clients that are pretty much getting working with me and then getting offers within about a month, month and a half. And usually it takes quite a bit of time um, for that to happen. Now, I know when I look at the Department of Labor numbers, there's actually way more job openings out there than there are people who are on the market at this point in time. Now, those numbers are always a little interesting. You got to do some adjustments and things. But but um, that means that there's a lot of job opportunities out there. Now, are all the opportunities going to be the ones that you want? Not necessarily, right? Because you did mention some really great things. Uh, recently, we saw a lot of layoffs in the tech space and in real estate and some, some things that were really heavily impacted by a lot of the things that are going on in the world right now, uh, right? Um, with inflation and all those things, we saw this increase in and interest rates and things. And so people are buying less houses, but like, so the real estate market got sort of affected with what's going on. So it just really depends on the, the space that you're in. But overall, I'm seeing, I'm seeing it be pretty popping too. I like that word for the job market right now. We don't always get to use that. Right, right. Yeah, I'd say so. we, we ride with it for now and, you know, tell people if this is, if you're thinking about a new opportunity, this is a good time um, to maybe be making a switch or just seeing what's out there. Sometimes I just tell people to see what's out there, test the waters a little bit. Yeah, see see what your skills are worth on the market. It never hurts to see what what is looking like out there. But given we know that the the job market has been pretty volatile and we got some some sort of world things going on that are still going to impact this. Um, how do you think people can sort of stay ready, right? Even if they're not planning on leaving their jobs, how can they stay ready it, just in case something happens or we do go into that recession? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's always something to think about. I, I usually tell people, I mean, you always want to have your resume up to date and ready because you never know when someone's going to reach out with the opportunity. So you want to be ready for that. But also LinkedIn. I, I am such a big LinkedIn fan. I know you are too, Tristan. Um, it's just, it, it's so useful and it's great for, Again, just testing the waters. If you have your profile and it's up to date and it's it's hitting on those, it's very keyword oriented. I know we talk about HTS and all of that, but honestly, LinkedIn is where the keyword search is at. So if you're really hitting on the key things that you are interested in to draw the right type of opportunities to you, you can, and then you'll have things coming to your inbox that as you're still working, you have some potential things that you can take a look at and see what's out there. It's a great way to just kind of keep yourself open, um, even if you're not heavily searching right now. And you can do that just by being active on there. I tell people all the time, engaging, just using LinkedIn, commenting, um, posting too, but just being active on there. People will see you. They'll see that headline and they may send some opportunities your way. So it's a good way to kind of, again, stay, you know, stay ready, like you said. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the the key here that most people miss with LinkedIn. They think it's just about having a great profile, which that is half the battle because there's plenty of um, search optimized areas of your platform that helps you be found. But it's important to engage on LinkedIn. Engagement is where it's at. That's how you start building those organic relationships. Uh, relationships is how you start getting seen, right? Um, that's how recruiters and hiring managers start seeing you a lot more. And so you really, really need to get on that and engage as much as you possibly can, realistically. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. Now, my podcast, I'm about keeping it 100% honest and real. I do think that LinkedIn is a very clunky platform. The user experience is not always the greatest, um, and I accept that. That's okay. I think they could do better, but <laughs> um, I have seen some people gain a lot inside of their careers from utilizing that platform, um, even wading through all the weird people who might end up in messages or, you know, the disingenuous statuses and posts and all that stuff, those things are going to happen no matter where you are on social media. And I know that turns a lot of people off from the platform, but the platform is something that can absolutely help people with their careers. I agree. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, thinking about that, that headline, because when you are interacting and you're commenting or even posting, it follows you. So mm -hmm. you want to make sure sometimes I'll see on the headline, it will be like looking for an opportunity but that doesn't mm -hmm. really tell people anything really at all because we it's not searchable first of all um if an if a recruiter is looking for a certain type of position they can't search that uh, looking for opportunity they're searching for a job title like engineer it uh project manager right so it's yep. kind of thinking about what do you want to highlight there so when you are interacting people will come to your profile and say oh i'm hiring for that or oh that's interesting i want to go check out that profile um, so I think that's something too a lot of people don't know is that that's an important piece of it. Yeah, your headline is incredibly important. And I tell everyone, don't put looking for new opportunities in your headline ever for what the reasons you just said. But also think of it like this. Recruiters and hiring managers, they want the best candidates, right? And from their perspective, the best candidates are people who have skills that are valuable, meaning that other people want those skills and abilities. So by highlighting that you are somebody who doesn't have a job right now, is on the market, or whatever the case may be, you are inadvertently telling them that you are not the top candidates for these type of roles too. So you need to make sure that you do have those keywords in there, the things that are going to help you be found. I love that. Now, one of the things that we know is happening right now, every, every you know decade or so, we start to get a new generation into the workforce, right? And right now, Gen Z is getting into the workforce, and they're, they're really starting to um, turn some companies upside down, right? <laughs> I've worked with a lot of Gen Z talent over the last couple of months, um, and I think they're a very different group than millennials. And, and, and so in thinking about that and thinking about maybe the Gen Z talent that you've worked with, what do recruiters need to know about attracting and retaining that type of talent? What do you think? Yeah, they need to know? I do. I, I think it is very different. I think in general, um, it's different for everyone. I mean, definitely for the, the group coming, I think it's hard to to generalize, um, you know, the age, you know, specific age group, but I think we're seeing this overall is that 
culture is number one. That is number one, what people are looking for. I think, you know, pay is still up there. I do think people are looking for a certain pay. And I think um, people are coming into the workforce or have that on their mind. But I think ultimately with what we've seen with COVID and just the the shift in, in diversity and inclusion, even becoming um, a main topic of conversation amongst um, companies and employees, I think people are ultimately, that's what's important to them. So from both sides, the candidate side and the employer side, how do we address that um, in the interview? And even in your search, when you're looking up companies before you go through a whole interview process, you know, doing a little bit of research and seeing, are they talking about diversity and inclusion? Is that even a part of their conversations on the website or um, podcasts that they're doing, that type of thing? Are you seeing that? Um, and, you know, also other aspects of culture, which is the work from home or being able to do remote work or even just having a flexible schedule. If you're going into the office, I think people are looking for that now and they're going to start um, even at the more entry level, mid level. They're going to start wanting that to be a part of their package of what they're receiving, because I think we're seeing that productivity can happen from anywhere, whether you're at home or you're in an office. And I think everybody has different preferences on that. But I think ultimately it's it's thinking about flexibility um, and having a culture that is welcoming, but also puts people first. I think we need to get back to that. I don't know if we've ever been at that in the U.S., uh, <laughs> but I think we need to get to that. Um, I know that, you know, I, I lived in Europe a big portion of the year this year, and there's just a different culture there. Like, work is not number one. Like, having to bust your ass for 10, 12 hours a day, that's not normal. And so I think, like, in the U.S., we need to kind of get back to, um, you know, having your time, having a balance, work-life balance. We say that so much, but it's so important. And I think ultimately the people who are coming into the workforce and the people who are still in the workforce and have been there, we're all wanting that. Um, so finding ways to identify that within a company and then from the recruiter side, how do you present that you're doing that in a company? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Tristan? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. People are the biggest asset to every company. Without your employees, you have no business. That's just simply what it is. And so I have always been a big advocate for companies really putting their employees first and their employees' needs and wants first. That's really how we're going to retain any type of talent, millennial, Gen Z, Gen X, any, any, any talent that's coming in. I think it's important that companies really um, figure out how to adjust to the employees they have and the employees that they want to have in the future. And, and if there's things that are misaligned with, um, with what companies want, I think they really need to sit down and ask themselves, what do they value most? Do you value having bodies in seats and offices just for the sake of it because you made a decision to purchase some real estate? Or do you value having employees that have the flexibility to potentially come to the office every now and then, but work from home and be you know more satisfied 
satisfied and stay at your company, retain that type of talent, right? They really have to to figure out what they want to do. And I agree with you. I don't believe that, uh, you know, we've ever been a people-oriented workplace <laughs> um, ever in the history of uh, the United States, unfortunately. But I do think it's something that more people are looking for companies to be now. Um, you know, the the pandemic really taught us a lot about how we work and how we value work in our lives. And I think a lot of people in the United States are realizing that work isn't something that should be first. It should be something that's secondary to some other things in your life. And that's just simply put, right? Um, so, so yeah, I 100% agree with you 100%. Um, now, one last question. Now, now I want to get into something that, that uh, has been happening in the news. But what do you think there... Excuse me. Actually, what are three things you think recruiters need to understand about candidates searching for jobs right now? Right. You and I work with candidates all the time. That's what our jobs are. So what do you think they need to know and how do you think they should adjust? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I, I would also bring it back to the culture piece and kind of. Um, the part of culture I think people are really looking for is like empathy, like having um, empathy for people and and their situations, re regardless of what it is. Everybody comes from a different, you know, experience or situation. But um, I know that, you know, there's sometimes going to be gaps on resumes. This is another hot topic of conversation, right, where people um, have taken time for various reasons. And honestly, I don't think it's an employer's business of what the reason is. But parenting, you know, illness, COVID, um, I think COVID has really shown that it's okay to have work gaps. Like this is not the end of the world. People are still great employees, even if they took time from not working again, brings it back to the culture in the US, which is just work constant and never take a break. So I think like having empathy for those situations that maybe the resume might have some gaps, or um, I think a lot of people don't know that they need to target the resume. And sometimes they miss out on candidates because of things that aren't, you know, translating exact to a position. So kind of having, having, having an open mind about that as well. Um, and I think just, you know, in general that it's hard, it's hard out here. Like it's hard for job searchers who are filling out hundreds of applications. They're feeling tired and exhausted and um, sometimes just not seen. So I think um, just, you know, making people feel seen once you do come across their resume and if you interview them. Um, I know I had a client interviewing um, recently and she kind of had two interviews next to each other and, and one different companies. One, the person got on, they were a little bit late and they were rushed and kind of like, let's get this interview over with. Like, I, you know, don't have a lot of time. Let me just go through my questions. Um, and the other interview for an, another company, the person came on smiling and asked, you know, how's your day going? And, um, you know, just wanted to, you know, just make them feel comfortable at the beginning. And I think that's really important too. It's not just in like looking at how you look at the resume, but once you get to interview someone, we're mostly interviewing like this remotely on Zoom and on, you know, virtual call. And it's hard. It's hard to read body language. It's hard to present 
fully present yourself. And I think that people are struggling with that too. Like this is new. This is new for all of us. So just giving a little bit of grace when it comes to having conversations and making it a little bit more conversational um, so that they can feel comfortable. Candidates can feel comfortable at the beginning um, and feel like, okay, now I can be myself and actually don't have to be so uptight and just follow notes and just follow questions. But be able to learn, again, learn that culture and have conversations so you can have an understanding of what that culture is like. That would be, I don't know if that was three things. I think you asked for three, but I don't know if that was three things. But basically the Quite, empathy, yeah, <laughs> having <laughs> some empathy for candidates, number one, thinking about, you know, how can you make them feel comfortable in this process? I know recruiters are busy. They get thousands of messages and it's exhausting for recruiters too. So I, I hear that too. Um, and I don't think we should beat up on recruiters. I see a lot of posts on LinkedIn that do that. And I, I have a ton of recruiter friends. I have clients who have gotten jobs as recruiters in talent acquisition. So I love that side of it too. And I think there are some amazing recruiters that build relationships with their candidates. Um, but I think we need more of that just having relationships. Again, people first, bring it back to the people, um, make people feel comfortable in this process. Yeah. That is it. That is it, my friend. We are so in alignment on all of that. I really think that that's what tends to get lost on both sides, right? That um, the candidates don't always see the recruiters as people and the recruiters don't always see the candidates as people, um, right? But the other thing I think for me, I think some recruiters have lost sight of what their jobs are from my perspective. And maybe I have a very warped perspective of recruiting and, and talent acquisition. But from my understanding, the job should be to match great candidates with a great company, which means that in order for you to do that, you have to treat them like people. You have to understand them a little bit. You have to build a relationship with them. And it's your job, if you believe they're the best candidate, to really advocate and getting them into that interview space, right? Um, they're, they're supposed to marry the two, marry the company with a perfect candidate. And the only way to do that is to really understand the people that you're talking to and working with on a regular basis. But I do get it. The companies and organizations don't make that easy for recruiters because they have such me metrics and KPIs that they have to uphold and all of those things. But we have to find a way to introduce that. We also have to understand that candidates are not willing to take some of the BS they were taken before. It just isn't that part. what they, yeah, that they're part. just not willing to do, right? <laughs> right. They're just not willing mm -hmm. to do that, right? Um, and I teach all of my clients when we're, when we're in coaching for interview prep or whatever the case may be, I tell them. Everything inside of the hiring process is indicative of what your experience inside of the company is going to be like. So watch. How do people treat you? How do people come on? Are they cold? Are Do they actually care about you? Like, try to get some take on that because it's going to be very indicative of how it is to work for that company or organization. So... Um, yeah, man. Well, I really appreciate all these things. You guys, some really good info in here, really touching on that, that LinkedIn piece that the job market is popping right now. Um, and we need to just make sure that we stay ready so we don't got to get ready if something happens. We're living in some turbulent times right now. So if you can set yourself up to have a pipeline of opportunities before you need them, you'll be in the right spot. So now 
my friend, I want to shift gears a little bit because one of the things I want to do is I like to I like to talk about popular things that are happening, things that are in the news, um, you know, trending right now, just hot topics. And so, um, you know, I sent over an article to you about uh, something that's been happening in California recently. At the end of last month, they passed a law requiring companies to post salary ranges on job listings. Right. Um, it's going to require California based companies with more than 100 employees to show their median gender and racial gaps as racial pay gaps, excuse me, as well, which is the first for any United States um, state. <laughs> um, and so, so with that, I, I sent this article over and I, I really want to start with, what do you think about this? I think it's wonderful. <laughs> I think this yeah. is uh, much needed. I think New York was the first, I think maybe, because um, I saw that, um, you know, come out on LinkedIn. And I think that um, knowing the job salary is very important for candidates. We just talked about how much the candidates are going through when it comes to targeting their resume for a position, writing cover letters too, and changing those up and just all the work and time. And even the interview process, because I, I'm hearing four and five interviews, sometimes six or seven different interviews. So we don't want to waste time. We don't want the, the candidates to waste time. We also don't want the employer to waste time. It's kind of a win-win uh, because you're able to see that. I think my concern would be that it's still a range. And so uh, with it being a range, we don't know. It didn't specify, you know, how big a range they can give and um, could they use that as a little bit of a loophole to still uh, not pay how they should be, like pay equity issues with that still? So I think that makes it a little bit hard for me because I'm like, it's great. It's wonderful news. But at the same time, can we get too excited? Um, I just know that pay equity is such a problem. And um, it, it just it's long overdue for being fixed. And I've had clients even just this month that have shared Similar, very similar stories about finding out, oh, okay, I'm not actually getting paid um, like the uh, white men in, in my company. And so I think this is a topic that we definitely should be talking about. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And to, to throw it back to the top comments you made, actually, Colorado was the first one to pass the law. And they're actually the ones that are currently doing it. New York City employers are going to have to start um, posting salary ranges starting November 1st. And the New York State legislators, excuse me, legislature is considering putting something in place very similar to what California did for the entire state. So really, at this point, there's only three places in the entire country that are considering doing this. Cal Colorado's already done it. California, this isn't technically on the books yet because it's still in front of their governor to sign, so he could veto it. Um, and New York City. That's the city, not even the state. Um, and so out of all these places, right, out of all these places, um, it's only really two places. But if New York State does it and California does it, that's going to be interesting because that's, um, if I remember correctly, that's like almost a quarter of the U.S. population um, that live in those states that would now require salary disclosures. Um, so I think it's I think it's a good thing on one end. Like, like you said, right, um, we know there's a pay gap. 
Women who work full time earn around 83% of what men do. And when we break that down even further, black women earn about 63% of what men do um, inside of the workplace. So I think by showing these ranges, it will um, really help uh, you know, minoritized people really figure out if this is an opportunity they even want to consider, which I think is great. But like you said, <laughs> companies and organizations are going to always look for loopholes, right? Um, I remember reading, reading an article about the Colorado law. Once it went into effect, there were many companies in Colorado that started making their job postings in other states surrounding Colorado that were near the cities that they were going to be working in because they were trying simply to avoid posting Ugh, salary ranges. Like, so why are you scared? Like, <laughs> right, what, like exactly. what are you scared about? It, it the helps only you three... too. It helps the company. Yeah, the too. only thing to be scared about is if you're not paying people correctly. Exactly. Stop. Stop. Stop lowballing people and maybe you wouldn't have to be scared of it. But, um, you know, I think this is interesting. If they if it goes forward in both New York and California, it could be a tipping point that, you know, instead of companies having to just sort of make these decisions by jurisdiction and in all these things, they're going to be looking for a nationwide sort of strategy to 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 go about. So they're not, you know, having to do all these individualized things per state. So I think it could be good. Um, but I I think it's a step forward. Let's just say that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a step forward. Right. Yeah. Um, but there was some criticism that I want to get your take on with this. So um, in California, the Chamber of Commerce actually opposed the bill entirely. They said that um, publicizing the data to target employers is a cynical and disingenuous manipulation of the information and is not a reliable measure of pay disparities. Um, and then other places, they're like, well, you know, compensation offered in a tight labor market may be higher than what other employees are making, or um, employers seeking to diversify their executive teams may offer higher compensation to people of color in those instances. And so this throws a wrench in those situations situations. So when you hear that type of criticism, do you think that type of stuff negates the positives that may come out of this? No, I don't think so. I think, I mean, there's always going to be the the other side to it. And I think companies and employers in particular, they, they probably don't want to share that information because it always comes down to like the negotiations, right? Where it's like, how much do you want to make, and like, you don't want to be the first to say a number, you know, you've probably had this with your clients too, where they'd come to you for advice on negotiating and you're like, oh, it's just like this kind of standoff. And so I think it, they maybe feel like they're at a disadvantage because of that. But um, again, ultimately, we don't want people uh, to go through a long process. It's also wasting a recruiter's time. It's wasting valuable time if you're not interested in that salary. What I would say is to the, the candidates, I would say that there's other things, again, like we were talking about culture, there's other things to consider outside of salary. So if a position is something that you are genuinely interested in, there may be, you know, I, I know they're probably not going to post everything about benefits or PTO. Maybe that part is negotiable. Um, the flexible scheduling, the work from home, you know, there's other things to consider along with that when you're considering a job. So that would be, I guess, the other side of that, too, is thinking about it as a whole. But I think for the employers, I mean, 
I, I understand because they're trying to protect their budgets and they want to get as low as possible. But is that really the right way to go about it if you're trying to retain good talent is kind of what I would say to that. Um, and I saw the other part of it, too, was about um, not being allowed to ask people what they're currently making which I think is almost more important. I don't know. I don't know if I should say that, but I think it almost is because again, the, the pay gap, you know, like people are in these positions, they're not being paid appropriately. And then the, or the, and they're applying to remote positions out of state or they're moving. And then the, you know, cost of living is different. I don't think they should ask that. I don't think they should look that up. I know in some cases they can look it up and I, I just think it's wrong. I, I think they should pay what, the position there pays. So that's, you know, again, my other thought on it. I 100% agree. I, I I counsel all of my clients on not releasing mm -hmm. that information to any employer just simply because they're trying to use it to figure out the lowest they possible payment that yeah. they can provide you that might be enticing for you to to take the offer or leave your current position. That's yeah. simply it. Um, but okay, yeah. I appreciate <laughs> the, the insight here. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I have always thought that salary ranges should be on job listings. I've always thought that since I entered the job market mm -hmm. uh, way back after college. Um, so I think this is, is a, a step forward. Is it everything we need to do? Absolutely not. But I think it 100% it can help. And I think, I think companies should really look at the data and see how many candidates are they, are they really losing out um, on who are like, oh, yeah, that's not really the pay I'm looking for. And how much time that their recruiters waste with those candidates, right? Yeah. And then quantify that into some dollar value to really see how much return they may actually get. Because I, I think that happens more often than companies and organizations really yes. think. And when I say that, I mean their executive leadership. Yes. Right? Um, so, okay, okay, my friend. Well, I'm going to move to the last and final segment of the show. Um, and today we're going to do uh, the segment that I call Sorry to That Job. Um, and so I know this is something that sprung on you, um, but you can just chime in wherever you'd like. But really, I just want to talk about some situations where you just need to say sorry to that job. I'm not taking it, right? And one of the things that I've seen going around on Twitter recently was about uh, a practice that I think it should be unlawful but isn't, and it's companies really demanding unpaid labor through the job interview process, right? And so what I mean by that yes. is having you, right, giving you the, the well, how would you market this particular item in this particular budget, right? Or, um, you know, they're giving you all these case studies that you realize are really actual situations that the company or organization are dealing with, and they're asking you to do free labor inside of your interview And give process. your intellectual property. And your intellectual property exactly right yeah i have had multiple candidates who've been in that situation didn't get the job and then saw ideas that they've told that company or organization come to fruition mm -mm. right um, and there's no recourse for candidates when that situation happens so what i'm saying right now is sorry to those jobs who ask you to do that unpaid labor if they're asking you to do that type of stuff I would probably run for the hills yeah. personally. Mm -hmm. uh, I think companies and organizations, if they are going to have people do that type of work, they need to pay them for their interview processes. And if they aren't paying you for that process or that process, you need to say sorry to that job. I'm not taking it. What do you think, Kendall? I, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've had people spend 
12 to 15 hours creating PowerPoint presentations and preparing these things to not get the job or even just to go through this process and then be given another step. It's, it's, it's just not fair. I, I don't think it's right. And yeah, absolutely agree. Um, you're not getting paid for that work. And you have a lot of these people have jobs currently, they don't have time to put into something that's not a guarantee. Um, so I agree, I think they should be paid for that. Or they need to cut that out of the process and, and get back to just interviewing and having conversations because I, I don't think it's fair. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I don't think it's fair. I understand the reasoning behind it sometimes. It's nice to see people's problem-solving skills and the way they think through those things. But if if that if you're asking them to do that much work, that much labor in a process, you need to pay them for it or you need to remove it. The end, point blank, period. So that wraps up everything for us today, my friend Kendall. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I couldn't, um, I couldn't wait to get you on. You were one of the first people that popped in my mind. So I really appreciate you saying yes and joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Tristan. It's always fun when we get together and have conversations. And I love, love all things resume, career search. It's all so much fun to me. So thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no problem whatsoever. So tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, so you can check out my website, my resume page. It's P-A-I-G-E dot com. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn, of course, because you know I stay on there. It's Kendall Page, P-A-I-G-E. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me. Let me know you heard the podcast. I'm always happy to connect with people. Um, I do a free uh, resume review. So if you want to reach out for that, you can go to my website or uh, message me on LinkedIn and we'll set up a time to chat. I'm always happy to help. So thanks. Thanks again for having me. <laughs> no problem, Kendall. And y'all check out Kendall. Kendall is a beast in the game. If you need some help with resumes, if you need some help with LinkedIn, make sure to check her out. And I want to thank you all for joining me for another episode of the Clarity Podcast. We'll be back with you next week. Live in Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M. I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y.